to Go Blue Crew. Welcome into the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick with Derek Devine, and I'm laughing coming into this because, Derek, you just gave the uh, loudest, not the loudest, the most defeated sigh I think I've heard in a while. And I feel like you need to tell us why you felt the need to sigh. Right, literally right before launching into the recording. Uh, you mentioned that this is a Wednesday night, at, you know, just around the dinner hour. Uh, you mentioned that the next Michigan basketball game is a 9 p.m. tip. And, yeah, I thought about it for a second and <laughs> then just let out the biggest – it's not bigger than I realized. I guess I didn't know that it was you know, it came through all pretty the way clear. through the airways. But yeah. I just – you know, I don't, I don't want to sound old. I just don't want to watch at least the product of basketball we've been watching at 11 p.m. So. That's the thing, isn't it? It'd be one thing if Michigan was really good, but I I don't want to be up at eleven fifteen watching Michigan try to come back from you know a fifteen point deficit against Minnesota. I just don't. That's not what I want to do on my Thursday. Nah, yeah. I mean I used to be you know thirsty Thursday used to be a guy that stayed out <laughs> plenty late on a Thursday, but yeah. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll watch, and you know, you got the you got the fans are like, well, why watch them? Well, I can't not watch. You know, right. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna obviously watch. You know, right. I'll still watch if they're thirty down. I've seen plenty of games I didn't like. I've stayed up for plenty of games I've loved, but right, just yeah, you know, we we talk about the nine p.m. tips. We just had the nine thirty tip, it ended up being a good game against Virginia, but yeah, I'm just not. I'm not ready for, you know, the likes of, you know, maybe a USC and UCLA into the mix where, you know, who knows, maybe we'll start getting some 11 p.m. tips. Tuesday, Tuesday, 11.30 p.m. tips. Can't wait. I can actually pretty confidently say (laughs) I will not be watching that entire game if that's the case. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm a I'm a little sick. Derek's got a little bit of a headache and we'll get back to the Michigan stuff. But before we do that. Um, Michigan football went out, Derek, of course, as you know, and won the second consecutive Big Ten championship. I was there in attendance. I Love got it. much better seats this time. I was about, I was still high up, but on like the 10, 15 yard line. And it was incredible. You know, just, it, it wasn't quite as electric as last season, because I, you know, everybody's like on edge, like is Michigan actually going to finish this thing off and win a Big Ten title this this season this year? You know, seemed a little more relaxed. I think that had something to do with the fact that Purdue was the opponent and not Iowa. Uh, Purdue put up a good fight for most of that game, and if they convert, you know, in the red zone more often, that's that's a tighter game than it ended up being. But overall, just a great experience. I can't say Purdue fans are as fun or as um, uh, hospitable as as Iowa fans, but still just a, a great weekend in Indianapolis. Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, watching the game from, you know, the comfort of my home, uh, not nearly as exciting. I feel like I kind of felt that same vibe, you know, just either my energy or just the energy of, uh, you know, not that the crowd wasn't loud and wasn't excited, but, Last year it was, you know, first time ever. Uh, this year it was more of this is expected. Uh, you know, this is what we're playing for. Uh, but, you know, more than that, we're playing for more. Uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy has said, uh, 
you know, like, like last year, you know, not like a national championship wasn't truly on their mind. Like no team goes in the season, like, Oh, we don't want to win a national championship <laughs> this year, yeah. but their goals were maybe more realistic and they just happened to, you know, winning the big 10 championship. You, you happen to make the college football playoff, uh, especially when you're a power five team uh, and, and winning the, the rest of your games. And so, they made it last year. It slipped up just once, you know, got dominated against Georgia. But this year, you know, that expectation was there. Uh, college football playoff is great. Big Ten championship is awesome. But they want to, you know, not win a semifinal game. They want to play for a national championship. They want to win a national championship. And so the energy overall was much different. And I think even as a fan, you know, just kind of, I don't want to say I was casually watching because it was, it was definitely a Big Ten championship game, but because the opponent was Purdue, because no matter what the opponent was on the West was going to be a inferior opponent, uh, it just kind of felt like a weird vibe. You know, like the Big Ten championship was the weekend before. Uh, Michigan-Ohio State, the last two years and probably many years to come, uh, will likely be a Big Ten championship caliber game, if not, you know, the game that essentially decides the Big Ten champion. Uh, so you win the East – you're probably going to win the the championship game for as long as it's around. At least that's been the case uh, since they've done the whole East-West thing. So, yeah, you know, I, I think they took care of business. I thought Purdue played excellent, sound football on both ends at one point of the game. Uh, really, really impressed with Aiden O'Connell. I mean, I, I think that he is a tremendous player. Uh, Chuck Sizzle. As oh, Scott Chuck Johnson Sizzle had him, a night. Uh, a tremendous wide receiver uh, didn't get a lot of time at Iowa, but did Purdue ever strike gold with him? Uh, you know, that's a player you'd want on your team, no matter who you are. Uh, you know, one of, one of the the most electrifying receiver performances I can remember against Michigan, you know, from a guy that you knew was good. Uh, but it really felt like the O'Connell uh, Chuck sizzle show. Like those two guys were trying to beat. Michigan essentially single-handedly right uh, and it was working like they they did so effectively they stayed in the game early uh, but as we both predicted you know I, I really went all out with my prediction guessing a 31 point victory uh, I knew Michigan was a better team you knew Michigan was the better team the nation knew Michigan was the better team and now that now they're playing for a college football playoff so fun game don't get me wrong uh, my favorite part, probably the fact that even on stage, after having to answer questions, Jim Harbaugh still found a way to leave the front of the stage and travel back to the back of the stage so he could pass on the microphone to somebody else. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if you saw this today, but it looks like Jeff Brom uh, will have had the distinction of coaching against Michigan in his last game at Purdue as he yeah. probably is moving on to Louisville. That's something, beat, right? Beat, beat him so bad, he went back home. Went back home, back to Louisville. Um, Donovan Edwards, of course, had a had a really good game. J.J. McCarthy, outside of one horrendous interception, where oh, I don't think really bad. anybody could really ever bad. imagine what he was trying to do. Um, he was feeling was himself, humming. and it was not what you want to see ever again. That's, no. that's what he was trying to do. I think that's, yeah, that's probably a good analysis. But the offense was moving pretty well, especially in the second half. Um, you know, opened the game again with a touchdown. Really good catch and basically double coverage by Colson Loveland. That was a, you know, just a, a throw where you're like, I, I trust my guy to go win against yours. And that's what happened. Um, I, it, it made me wonder, like, does Michigan have the same thing in Donovan Edwards and 
not in terms of style, but just in terms of like, we are a run first uh, smash mouth team. That's eventually going to wear you down and we're going to pick up big chunk plays on the ground. Are they that same team with Donovan Edwards as, as they were all season with Blake Corum? And I, I walked away from that game thinking like, even if they're not, they certainly believe they can be. But what was your impression on that? So I think it's different in the sense that when you have Blake Corum there for those third down plays to pick them up, kind of where they're trying to, you know, still find that back. You know, they, they had uh, Bob Mullings who had, what, two touchdowns? Uh, first two ever. He had a tremendous pass against Ohio State, obviously. But you, you definitely miss Blake Corum when you're really trying to wear down a defense because then, you know, Donovan Edwards comes in and, and spells probably the best running back in the nation. Uh, and you can use him in the pass game. Well, now you don't have Blake Corum on third down. You don't have Donovan Edwards really in the pass game because he's wearing a giant cast. So it's not the same, uh, you know, I don't think it's the same level of run game that they'd love to have that would make them even better. But you can essentially do anything with Donovan Edwards, and I don't want to call him a better running back, uh, but I think overall he could be a better player uh, and, and just as big of a playmaker. And again, if you give him that thumb back, uh, and he doesn't have to wear a cast, you know, we know that he's maybe got the best hands on the team and absolutely lethal in the passing game. Uh, and you pair that with JJ McCarthy, who's found some confidence really outside. Again, that really one horrendous throw. Uh, he came back and made a heck of a throw to Ronnie bell in the back of the end zone, uh, in, in a pretty tight window. So you miss Donovan Edwards being fully healthy. You miss Blake Corum altogether. I, I think he was snubbed from the, the not being one of the four finalists for the Heisman, which is just a QB award these days. Uh, but yeah, the, the philosophy is the same. They want to win in the trenches. They want to wear down uh, the defense and they want their running backs to, to be able to get to that second level uh, because they feel if they do, there's not many uh, that can one tackle them or two run them down. Uh, so I think the game plan's the same, but you definitely miss a Blake Corum. But if there's any guy, uh, you want back there is Donovan Edwards because Donovan Edwards with the cast and the inability to catch like he could earlier this season or at times last year, uh, looks like he could be one of the best running backs in the country alone. Yeah. So looking ahead now to the college football playoff, Michigan obviously came in, uh, stayed at number two, TCU stayed at number three. There was a little bit of worry there. I think that TCU would, uh, still be in the playoff, but drop down to number four, and it'd be maybe Ohio State moving up to number three. I guess first, what was your thought on how the three, four spots ended up shaking out? That's a weird season where I think you have two teams that were in no matter what, and then you've got a handful of teams who uh, maybe deserve things based on a resume. It's weird to see a team lose and keep their position. I think we've seen teams lose in a championship game before. Uh, and maybe drop from like a one to a four or a two to a four, maybe one to three. Uh, but I like the way it shakes out. I don't care when Michigan plays Ohio State. In fact, I'd love to see Michigan play Ohio State. Nothing would be cooler than uh, beating Ohio State in a college football playoff. Nothing would be worse than losing to Ohio State in a college football playoff. So either way, uh, big game, you know, something that would probably break the internet. But for me, I like that you keep TCU where they're at. They'd already beaten Kansas State. They lost in overtime, uh, made the decision to go for it instead of kicking a field goal. Now, who knows how that next possession in overtime would have played out, but it could have gone into a second overtime because all Kansas State could do was 
kick a field goal, though, yes, they were probably playing for that at that point because you win with getting one. But I like that you don't penalize a team in a championship weekend while another team sits at home. The craziest. But that's what happened to USC. Yeah. Well, USC, though, what's their second loss? Yeah. So I think, you know, that is a difference. You do, you do. I think USC is probably in if that's their only loss because they had also taken care of business. uh, Or no, they had already lost to Utah, actually. So yeah, they lost to the same team twice, I guess, in their case. You know, you look at like a Michigan State. You know, Michigan State had taken care of business. They had beat Michigan, but then they lost to Purdue, and, and Michigan jumped right back over Michigan State, even though they lost the head-to-head battle. Obviously, beating Ohio State last season helped winning the Big Ten Championship secure their spot. But, yeah, I think I, I think it feels right. Um, you don't penalize the team who loses, you know, in the championship round and still only has the one loss who's looked good throughout the year. Um, yeah, I mean, they were undefeated. It handled business, you know, just lost a close one. Uh, whereas USC kind of got dominated uh, across the board. I think Caleb Williams obviously suffered some sort of injury, was playing through something. But I look like a USC team that has no defense, and I think TCU uh, does look like the more complete team, at least after what we saw for championship weekend. Uh, would have been weird to me to see a Michigan Ohio State rematch after Ohio State sat on their butts, and and then again, what I was going to say is the wildest thing from the weekend, which you would not have seen at the game, but I'm sure you heard about it, saw tweets, or saw it after the fact, is Nick Saban uh, joining uh, the Fox crew at halftime to to basically beg for Alabama to have a spot in the Final Four. And oh my God, I missed weirdest- that. Totally. It was one of the weirdest displays of TV I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, this man is literally begging on his knees like, oh, if you put us against TCU, like, t- you tell me who the favorite is. In he's that got game. a point. Like, and he's not wrong, but don't lose two games. It's, it's like, you know, I feel like we didn't even talk about this enough, or maybe it's because it hit the message boards after we had podcasts last week. It's like it's like this idea that Ohio State was the better team for a half, and if they wouldn't have given up five big plays, like it would have been a closer game. Like, but you, you lost by twenty two points. That's three touchdowns, and one of them has to be you have to go for two after one of them. Like, what what is this thought that oh, it's a really close game? You know, we only lost by twenty two. I've never. Heard that? I don't think Michigan's ever been able to use that excuse. Like, oh, don't worry, we only lost to Ohio State by twenty-four this year. <laughs> like, just it uh, kind, of, kind of similar to to me. Like, yeah, sure, on paper with the the five stars and the four stars and the you know Bryce Young uh, quarterback. You know, you probably can beat any team in the college football playoff given enough chances, but that's not. You know, kind of what the resume shows. They lost two games. They played close against Texas, who had lost a star quarterback in that game. Uh, yeah, don't feel bad for Alabama. Uh, congrats to Ohio State. Uh, Ryan Day has a couple of people to thank for beating up on teams that could have been in ahead of him. Uh, and we'll see how they fare against Georgia. We'll see how Michigan fares against TCU. Yeah, last thing before we go on to basketball, um, and we'll, you know, in the coming couple of weeks get more in into TCU, but yeah, you know, what's what's your first impression of this Horn Frogs team? You know that um, defensively, I think is going to have some troubles with Michigan. I saw the line opened 
at nine and a half. I want to say it's down to seven and a half now, which betting people are saying is a little weird. I don't quite know myself, but when you saw this matchup, other than the fact that you know Michigan is, I think, undoubtedly getting the the weakest of the four playoff teams here in TCU, just um, you know, having watched them in the Big Twelve Championship, what what do you think of this matchup? So I think the first thing I would think of is the fact that they, you know, they probably aren't super thrilled with how, um, you know, their championship weekend ended. You know, you lost the Big 12 championship game. You have a shot, though, to still uh, achieve a goal, which is make the college football playoff and, and have a shot at the national title. So I think it's always dangerous. So the same thing for Ohio State against Georgia. I think Georgia gets Ohio State's best effort for sure. Uh, they they maybe don't even deserve to be there, but you know a couple of losses went their way. TCU has been impressive. Uh, I think their offense is impressive. I believe just like any Big Twelve defense, their defense is suspect, uh, but they're a legitimate team, uh, and they weren't undefeated uh, going into the Big Twelve championship because of flukes. You know they actually found ways to win games, uh, even ones that they were down. They found ways to dominate games. Uh, they're a pretty complete team. Uh, at least in finding a way to, to win the games they should and, you know, kind of come back uh, gutty efforts in, in games that they have lost, uh, which, you know, is only one time this season to, to Kansas State, you know, to be able to take that thing to overtime, uh, you know, to have the, the guts to go for it on fourth down, having the confidence that your offense can usually score in those situations. Like you know, the Horned Frogs are are one of the top four teams. I really do think they deserve to be in the college football playoff. But yeah, like you said, I think it is the most favorable matchup. It's it's weird that Georgia is rewarded with a tougher matchup than, than Michigan. But I think that's essentially, you know, the committee saying, you know, by resume, by the way teams are performed with the fact that Michigan has the best win out of any team in the country this season, especially now that it's against a team that's still currently in the college football playoff. You basically have a 1A and a 1B, uh, and, you know, because TCU shouldn't drop uh, for losing a championship game and Ohio State shouldn't move up in a week and they don't play, that's just kind of the way it shakes up. So I think that, you know, the committee sees Georgia and Michigan as equals. Uh, they see Ohio State and TCU as underdogs, but I think all the teams in the playoff are deserving of their spot, and I think uh, all four of them legitimately have a shot to play for a national championship with the dogs, obviously, being the favorite in my opinion all right moving on to basketball here obviously the big news uh Jalen Llewellyn ACL injury is going to be out for the season that means it's uh Doug McDaniel time at Michigan and my immediate take here Ducky Fresh I think it's going to be undersold uh how or I should say maybe understated like how important uh losing Jalen Llewellyn is for this team because Obviously, he he was struggling a little bit, just getting acclimated to Michigan, to uh, the level of competition here compared uh, to Ivy League competition. It'll show up, I think, or it it would show up more later in the season, uh, because we've we've seen this now a few years under under uh, Juwan Howard with a, a transfer point guard, and uh, like Devonte Jones last season, it just took a little bit for things to start clicking. But when it did, like he was an important part of that team. And I think Jalen Llewellyn, you know, was, he would have been in that position. I have no reason to think that he wouldn't have been. So what do you think uh, Michigan is like, what is this team now without Jalen Llewellyn now turning to a freshman in McDaniel? 
So a few things, you know, feel bad for Jalen Llewellyn. You know, he obviously joined a program where he was looking for a shot to, you know, win a national championship, uh, play in a Sweet 16 game, uh, you know, be a part of a program that's had a lot of success uh, in the last decade and, and more. Um, I think for Michigan, you know, the one thing that'll be odd is because we haven't seen his best basketball, at least in a Michigan uniform, you really won't ever know what you missed. Um, but I agree with you. It took a, it took a long time uh, for, you know, like a Devonte Jones to really, uh, you know, play the basketball that maybe people were expecting him to, to play even earlier. You know, that Michigan team was up and down, but he put a heck of a performance on uh, late in the season, you know, even battling injury. And, and I think anytime you, you know, you take the the transfer point guard route. Now you're taking a risk. You know, you've got a guy who I think it's understated, like how difficult it must be to just change programs and then run an offense and still perform when you're used to being a, you know, a guy who puts up a lot of shots and now you're more of a guy who distributes, you know, you're, you're changing your role significantly. And so we'll never see kind of what he could have done in a Michigan uniform, but the worry now is the depth of the position. When you take the route of a, a grad transfer and your grad transfers out for the season and you don't have a guy developed behind him or that can play alongside him, uh, you get a major question mark. So obviously you have Dougie Fresh, who I think will benefit from getting early playing time. It's not like he'd be the only freshman point guard who's running the point somewhere in the nation. You know, maybe some higher, highly, more highly rated recruits are in those positions and other guys have a chance to learn behind a veteran. I think that's why Juwan Howard likes the model more than anything. I think it was a surprise to see Frankie Collins go because he could learn behind a veteran and he was poised to take over. He showed flashes. But where I'm at right now is I don't mind the grad transfer thing. I think it's uh, worked overall, I guess, Uh, maybe later in the season than we'd like it to at times. But I think that this is going to be a chance for Juwan Howard to take a young point guard pair them alongside with just young guards in general uh, and start to develop players. Uh, You're going to have to figure something out because of the lack of depth. Uh, And Doug McDaniel is going to be better for this moving forward. Shall he stick around for a year or two? I'm like a Frankie Collins because he's thrown into the fire. He has to learn to uh, slow things down, run the offense, make the right play. uh, And then also be able to, to know when to, to make the shots himself. And so, uh, tough for Michigan's you know season this year I think their chances of being a good tournament team take a hit because you could only assume that Jalen Llewellyn was going to get more and more comfortable Um, but yeah you know I guess this is a chance for for Michigan to develop its point guard of the future and maybe get back to the days where you have a Trey Burke around for a couple of years or Xavier Simpson around for four a Derek Walton who had a really good career uh, even all the way back to Darius Morris Um, that's what I like I like having that returning point guard I think Jawan Howard is a mix of he wants veteran guys, but also wants to go after the one and dones. And so he's in a tough spot with that entire coaching staff of how to handle this. Uh, but the main answer is you've got a freshman point guard and you're going to have to figure something out quickly. Yeah, I think the the statistic I noticed that maybe paints the best picture of just the struggles that Michigan's been going through this season is the fact that Kobe Bufkin is the leading assist guy with 2.9 a game. That your leading assist guy can't be a, a hair under three assists per game. 
that's just too low. And the fact that, you know, that's your two guard leading your team in assists, you know, it, it just, it doesn't look right. And, and I think um, there, there are going to be some, some struggles that come off of this, this injury, obviously, but maybe a potential silver lining here is, is if, if Doug McDaniels um, similar to, to the way Frankie Collins was able to create when, when he was playing last season, if, if Doug McDaniels can, can step up and be uh, more of a ball distributor, this offense might benefit. Now that obviously then entails you need to hit shots, which, you know, at times has been a real struggle. But if, if he can command the offense a little better, because I think that's where one of the areas where Jalen Llewellyn, I, I think, struggled. Like it just didn't feel like he had a good command of the offense. If Doug McDaniel can get in there and do that, then maybe the fall off isn't as significant as, you know, we fear it might be. But 2.9 a game from your leading assist guy, that that just really can't be the case, right? Oh, that's a, I mean, that's not good. And again, I, I think that because we didn't see a lot from Jalen Llewellyn, I think he would have been the better player this season just because of his experience, his ability to hit shots, uh, his, you know, ability to take over a game when called to in the Ivy League at least. Uh, but, you know, you never can assume that maybe, maybe it wasn't going to work out for him. You know, maybe he wasn't going to finally turn it on. Uh, you can't assume that every grad point guard ever is going to come to a bigger program and shine. Uh, and so, you know, I think, again, you get Doug McDaniel, the the keys to the offense, and you say, hey, you're the point, and we'll give you as much help as we can, whether it's Kobe Bufkin or Jet Howard uh, bringing up the ball. You know, they're going to have to do some creative things. But, you know, if there's one guy who knows basketball well in a situation like this, you know, I, I think Juwan Howard is that guy. You know, you, you've you played with LeBron James, who as often as anybody will bring the ball to the floor, especially in his Miami years, even with Dwayne Wade on the team, you know, one of the, the better point guards, you know, combo guards of all time. And so they're going to find a way to, to make this thing work. Obviously, the better the point guard, the better distributor, uh, the better the team, uh, not having a, that low of a average assist number. Uh, would be super helpful. But, hey, I guess if you can figure out a way for multiple guys in the team, including Hunter Dickinson, to get three, four assists apiece and you're able to spread the ball around that way, uh, then you're still a team that could be good. But, yeah, uh, the depth alone, especially if a you know, point guard, the lone point guard at this point gets in foul trouble, uh, you're going to see some weird lineups uh, and guys shifting down a position or two means that there's guys like an Isaiah Barnes who hit a couple of big shots uh, is going to have to get a lot more run too, you know, because you can't you can't ask guys to to move down a position and, and not find uh, someone to kind of relieve their duties. So, you know, whether it's uh, Will Cheddar or, or Isaiah Barnes, uh, you're probably going to have to see more of the guys that are maybe seventh, eighth, ninth on the roster, uh, because the reality is you've lost a starter, uh, and so you have holes to fill no matter what the position is. So very curious to see how they handle it moving forward and, you know, to come full circle. What an opportunity to tune in at 9 p.m. to see how the first right. game what goes. A, oh, man, what an opportunity. That's Thursday at Minnesota. I'm going to throw a few positive things at you here in no particular order, uh, but I, I think it's fair to say Michigan, even though they've lost two in a row to Virginia and Kentucky, they played good teams close and that that counts for something when you're in michigan's position defensive adjusted efficiency this is ken palm's metrics 
actually not that bad. And like defense has been a struggle, but um, it I think the numbers show a slightly more positive picture than what you're looking at on your TV screen. I was talking about Kobe Bufkin. You know, that's a guy who shows like tremendous individual effort on defense. Um, you've got Jet Howard uh, really putting together a, a case for freshman of the year in the conference, 15.3 a game. Hunter Dickinson has been good, almost averaging a double-double. Like there are things here to build on. And in those those two most recent games, um, and like I said, both losses, but also both opportunities to, to walk away with something positive. And, you know, you got a chance to, uh, you're going to play a conference opponent in Minnesota, a team I think Michigan should beat. You got a Lipscomb uh, for, for your next non-conference after that. And then, you know, you're going to play North Carolina, then Central Michigan, and then it's in the conference play. But you've got a chance to string together, uh, you know, maybe four in a row here, or at least three out of four going into to the real uh, conference slate. So what is your impression of this team right now? Uh, and has it changed, you know, since uh, basically I'll say since since the Arizona State debacle, the 87-62 game? Yeah, that was one of the worst games I've seen in a long time uh, in terms of Michigan basketball. Uh, you don't love the losses. You don't love playing close to max schools uh, or with max schools, against max schools. But the way you fought against Virginia, the way the team uh, had a chance in London against Kentucky – uh, they've been in games. They've they've played teams down to the wire. Uh, those are the games you have to win, you know, come conference tournament season, uh, come NCAA tournament season. But you'd rather not have what happened to Arizona State happen in one of those games. Uh, you want to see them take care of business in their first Big Ten matchup against Minnesota. You would love to see them be a North Carolina team that's really down bad right now themselves. Uh, because, you know, regardless of how either team's playing, you know, you get a win against North Carolina on your schedule. It, it'd be rare to see North Carolina not turn something around uh, and make a uh, uh, make a run uh, at, a, at a national or at an NCAA tournament uh, bid. Jeez, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm such in college football playoff mode that I'm forgetting what things in March are called. Yeah, like I keep I there are so many times in my head that I was almost going to say college football playoff bid. <laughs> and while trying not to say that, I have definitely just said the wrong thing. But That's all right. I think they have a chance to win all of these games. They sh- they have shown enough. And again, now you're down Jalen Newell and you've got to find a way to figure things out with a, a different starting point guard. But you're good enough to win the, the rest of the 2022 games. You're going to get beat up in the Big Ten. It happens every single year. But you're going to have a shot to play uh, for a championship game in the conference, and you're going to have a shot to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm not saying they're in, you know, survive mode where I don't think things are going to take that much of a turn. Uh, again, if you avoid foul trouble and you can groom a young point guard, I think this team could still be pretty good. When you have a Jet Howard, when you have a Hunter Dickinson, uh, there's a lot of teams in the nation that would love either of those guys on their starting roster. Uh, so you're looking for, you know, the Kobe Buffkins to continue to play hard, the T wills to, to make maybe a handful more shots, be more aggressive when he's in. And then some of these role players to, to step up and find their spot, like a, a Joey Baker. But overall, I think I still like where they're at. Uh, you've seen other teams this season lose games. Maybe they shouldn't have, you know, Michigan state recently to Northwestern for the first time at home, maybe ever. Uh, so yeah, you have a chance. It's early. 
March is the most important, but yeah, you're going to need to figure something out. You don't want to drop more than two of the remaining 22 games. That's for sure. All right. Um, last thing here, who do you think holds the key to, to unlocking like the next level for this team? Cause I think you can make a case for probably four, maybe even five players. And frankly, I'm having a hard time coming up with an answer myself, but who do you think is that guy? I'm going to go Kobe Bufkin. Uh, he's much improved, getting a lot more time. To me, he's got a little bit of Jordan Poole in him. Uh, Jordan Poole is, you know, at Michigan was good, maybe a little bit underutilized because of the roster. Uh, I think everyone knows what he's been able to do in the NBA, especially with the most recent contract he signed. So he's not Jordan Poole, uh, may never be Jordan Poole, but his size, his play style, uh, his aggressiveness, his lockdown defense, and then just the effort. Um, he has the chance to, to really explode at some point this season. Uh, I think he'll always be uh, overshadowed by Hunter Dickinson uh, and Jet Howard. Uh, but Kobe Bufkin probably holds the key to ultimate success, especially now that they're going to ask him to do a lot more of the ball in his hands with the absence of Jalen Llewellyn. I think that's a good answer. I, I was leaning Kobe Bufkin because of all the reasons you just laid out. The, you know, I, I could probably make a case for Joey Baker coming off the bench if he can hit shots. That really changes things. Um, obviously, could have said Doug McDaniel. You know, stepping into a starting point guard role. We'll you know we'll see where that goes. But also Jet Howard. Um, it, it's not so much of like, ooh, what else can he do? But it's like it's is almost 15 and a half points a game sustainable for him. If it's not, you know, where do those points come from? That kind of thing. But no, I, I think I agree with you on Kobe Buffkin. So uh, I think, is it fair to say that, that we're feeling a little more confident now in, in this team than we were a, a few weeks ago? I mean, the injury hurts. I feel that way. I, I feel fine with, Again, you wish you had the depth, but I am probably more in the, hey, John Beeline had something going for him when he found point guards that stayed and continued to get better. Uh, I think Juwan Howard you know, is now forced into that position. Uh, you can develop a good point guard, even an undersized one. Uh, you can develop a pretty good team. You have some other pieces, so let the young guy go to work, let him learn in the thick of it. And I, and I think that Michigan will be – okay, maybe they're held back by trying to fit uh, a new piece into the puzzle uh, because they have the veteran experience. You know, maybe maybe the key is uh, having a, a guy with the speed and ability to get to the basket, like Doug McDaniel kind of take over. Uh, again, you just you can't see another injury or things really get tough. So I feel optimistic, but if you were to compare it to how I felt about the Michigan football team, uh, night and day. Okay, I I think that's a fair assessment. We'll get back next week. Uh, talk probably more about TCU. Keep talking about Michigan basketball and all that good stuff. So until then, take care out there and go blue. Go blue.